All right, so we're on uh, Mother's Day weekend in our second week of Ephesians, um, and I want to say, number one, happy uh, Mother's Day to all the moms uh, who are with us, and uh, a couple things about Mother's Day. So Mother's Day is a phenomenal thing. Uh, we are all obviously here at the result of moms. Some of you are moms. Some of you have moms. Um, and also, Mother's Day can be tough depending on um, kind of where you are in life. Uh, for some of us, um, I lost my mom, uh, gosh, about 10 years ago. Um, and so for some of us, Mother's Day is like awesome. Some of us, Mother's Day can be difficult. Some of you might be walking through your very first Mother's Day ever without uh, mom around. Or for some of us, honestly, um, you've lost a child, and it's one of the most painful days to be reminded of. And so we just want to know, like, man, wherever you are today, whether today is a day of, like, rejoicing or t- today is a day that makes it really, really difficult to get out of bed, uh, we just want you to know that, man, we love you. Uh, and we are here for you uh, to walk alongside whatever season and however this day strikes you. So uh, let me pray for us. Um, and I also want to preface it with this. Uh, we're not going to do like a ton of Mother's Day stuff beyond what we've done. Although my wife was trying to convince me of getting a sermon on Proverbs 31. Um, and the reason is, and to be clear, it's not just because like, oh, here's a, here's a chapter about ladies. It's because I think it's one of the most fundamentally misunderstood chapters in all of the Bible. It's like she goes to the market, and everybody's like, oh, she grocery shops, right? It's like, no, no, no. This, like, Proverbs 31 should be titled the entrepreneurial woman of God, right? Like, it's, it talks about she gets up early. She goes. She sees a field. She purchases it. She cultivates it. I'm like, she is in mergers and acquisitions, number one. Number two, she has a physical asset that she has created into a startup agriculture business, and she feeds the people around her. By the way, she knows that her, she runs what her, her costs are, and she runs a profitable business that says, my girl cares about margin. I feel like we should all say amen to that. Anyway, um, so that to say, uh, let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much that you've given us the time to spend here in your word every single week. And so we just pray that you would speak to each one, every one of us. Today, as we're walking through the day, um, that there would be celebration, that they would be remembering that there would be thankfulness, and at the same time, there would be a sense of, of closeness to anyone who's walking through a, a day of, of, of brokenheartedness and, and mourning and loss for, for those who have lost children, for those who have lost parents, for those who are just kind of feeling lost on today. And so we just ask that no matter where we are and who we are, as you speak to us through your word, that you would just be clear and that we would know you, Jesus, better. In your name we pray. Amen. So I want to kind of lead in, I suppose, with a little more Mother's Day stuff. Uh, every house has, well, I think at least every house has um, one side of the house that is very much a, um, a gifts-giving side, right? Like you just love giving gifts. And there's another side of the house that's oftentimes like a, I just want to exist, right? Like, like I, I, that's just not your thing. Um, and so for, my, for me, for us, um, I am very much a gift giver. But if you also know me, then you know that I am also very much a wait to the last minuter, which means that my just gifts cost a lot of money. And it's only what's available, right? A lot of creativity and ingenuity that happens. Um, but it's funny because every year I ask Lindsay, I'm like, hey, what do you want for Mother's Day? What do you want for Mother's Day? And like legitimately the most unhelpful responses ever. And you think, oh, Ben, what could that be? Um, here's like the list. A beach house on 30A. I'm like, I, you know, they haven't tithed that much. You know, like, that's just not in the tank right now. Um, <laughs> stuff like, like a brand new Suburban. I'm like, can we go something under 50 grand? You know, like, just please help with, with something. But it's, it's funny because um, gifts actually speak. The things that we desire for the gifts, the things that we, that we give as gifts actually speak um, to who we are and the things that we care about and the things that we desire. And so I want to kind of lead into our time and our discussion together by asking um, if, if God 
or if someone was praying for you, and they said, okay, I want to pray for you for something, and I feel like God's going to answer this prayer. And it's in some way, shape, or form. It's kind of like a gift, except for that God would give you wisdom towards something and revelation for you to understand something. Right? Like, like you could pray, you could have a dream, God would come down and say, what is it that you would like wisdom on and revelation for? Wisdom on, and like, by revelation I mean like clarity and like God, his purpose, his desire, his will for your life in this area. The way to parent, the way that you are supposed to, um, you know, act in your class or act in your uh, work as you're trying to like talk about God and share your faith. What it is that, that your next step is supposed to be in terms of your job or the city or, you know, whatever it might be. What's the thing that you would ask for? Because Paul prays for something in these verses. And he prays for something that is so almost intuitive that we miss it. But I think that the fact that we miss it actually speaks to the gifts that we want to get, which speaks to the value that we have. If that didn't make any sense, don't worry, we're going to get there. So in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, um, he has just started off. Paul, right into this church at Ephesus, kind of all around the churches of Asia Minor. He's writing, and he has just gone through this entire praise to say, God, you are incredible. God, you loved us. God, you saw us. God, you knew us. God, you chose us, not because we were worthy, but simply because you loved us. And so he says, so for this reason, verse 15, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So he says, so I know this about you, that you know God. I know this about you, that you know Jesus. I know this about you, that you know him, and you know him in such a way that not only do you know him, but you know him to the point where you have a love for other people, right? This is kind of the demarcation that the gospel has taken roots in our life. That it's not just this sense of, I generally am aware of God, but that my knowledge of God, my experience with God, my walk with God, so to speak, has grown in such a way that it actually fundamentally and functionally changes how I view other people. Because if God would love me, then I would be loving to you. So Paul pauses and he says, hey, I know something about you, that you know God. And you know God in such a way that it has transformed your life. And the reason that's important is because he's about to say something in this next verse that he's praying for the people for. That I think for those of us who know God, we wouldn't think to pray for this because we think it's too elementary. This is what he says. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And so I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation to what? So what is he praying? What's he saying? Okay, you guys know God. You guys have loved people well. And I keep praying for you. And here's what I pray for you, that you may know him better, that you would know him better. I think that's interesting because once we kind of know God, we want to know how to implement God. We want to know kind of how to execute the strategy of God, right? Okay, so now that I know you, God, how do I become more, a more kind person? How do I become more a compassionate person, a patient person? God, if you could give me wisdom and revelation to know how to navigate this particular situation or instance in life, then that would be super helpful. But he pauses and he says, Man, if there's one thing I'm just praying for, I know you know Jesus. I know that you know him. But if there's one gift that I just wish that God would give you, 
If there's one thing that I just wish that God would reveal to you, he'd give you wisdom about, revelation about, it's just that you would know him better. And I love that because it's, I think, reflective of a couple things. One, it's reflective of what we ought to have a heart for. And two, it's reflective of the heart that Paul has for the people that he's ministering to. This is what I mean. Um, our kids yesterday, well, every Mother's Day, Christmas, whatever it is, birthday, um, for the most part, we always go around to different shops in town. I take the kids, and I let them pick out stuff. Really what I do, and this is a cheat sheet for dads or for future dads or for really anybody, um, you just take your kids around to places that the person that you're shopping for would already shop and buy them something. And if they don't like it, it's like a gift certificate, right? But then the kids picked it up, so it's like, oh, it's cute. So somewhere they feel like, you know, relationally guilted into actually like doing it. And so we go around, and it's funny because our kids, man, they constantly, here's what they do. They always start to pick out stuff for Lindsay that they want for themselves, right? So Rhodes just walk around, and he's like, Dad, do they have a football at Lowly in the Bean? I'm like, nah, bro, that's, just, that's not this store. So we were at Narcissus yesterday picking out, um, we, we go for a standard jewelry set. And so we go and we start looking for earrings first. You got to start, you know, earrings, bracelets, nah, rings, you get into the size, not happening, right? But, but earrings is a safe bet. And so we start looking at those. So Ava picks out, well, let's start here. Rhodes picks out some. A five-year-old boy is not a good picker out of earrings, right? He's just getting the most random off the wall. It's like, oh, that sticks out. Let me just get that one. It's like, buddy, that sticks out for a reason, and it's not good, right? And so Ava starts to pick out stuff that she likes. So, like, they're starting to pick out. They're like, Dad, look at this one. It has, like, a unicorn on it. I'm like, I know you love Mommy, but I know Mommy, right? I don't think that's – and so you're kind of, like, trying to, like, put, like, like some, like, you know, some bumper lanes on it. And so they're kind of, like, pick, starting to pick stuff out. And so finally we kind of get this, like, you know, this earring and, and uh, earrings, actually. <laughs> we just got one. She's, you know, ah. She's been having some maternal deficiencies. 100% kidding, by the way. Love you. I look at God when I said that. I, Lindsay, if you're listening on this podcast. Anyways. <clears throat> So we go and we, we end up picking this stuff out, right? And so Lindsay this morning, she gets it, and she's like so like, she's like, she's like oh, it's thankful, right? And it's meaningful because the kids got it for because this was like their desire. This was their heart. This was their intention. And I started thinking about that, and it's like, man, I feel like when it comes to God, what's interesting is, is, is there are so many things that we would like God to give us so that we can be better at life. But oftentimes, the greatest gift unopened is the gift of God in the Christian life. And by that, I don't mean like we just like, I don't, I, I don't mean that we don't know him at all. I just mean like every day we have an opportunity to be like, God, I just want to spend time with you. I just, I just want you. Like, I don't want all the, the ancillary benefits, all the things, all the life and life to full. Like, like, yes, that's true. But God, I I just want you. I just want to spend time with you. I just want to be in your presence at this time. I just want to know you better. And it's interesting because even saying that, to be very honest and to be very transparent, even saying that to a room full of Christians feels a little bit surface level. But here's my question. How many of us, we know that we know God, we know that we have a familiarity with God, but we don't treasure time with God every single day as a gift? Like, we don't get that we get God. In the scriptures, there's constantly this tension around Jesus where people would follow him and he would look at him and say, the only reason you guys are showing up is because they keep feeding you, you know, bread and, and water and giving you stuff to eat. You're not following me for me. You're following me for the benefits. 
of me. As I was thinking about this, I was like, man, I feel like this is, this is it. And he prays for a couple things specifically that they would know him. And I think these three things that he prays that they would know are helpful because they oftentimes aren't things that we have, which means we have some more knowing to do. So as it says, I keep asking that God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or open in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. So here's the first thing I want you to really actually have an awareness of is the hope that you have in God. The hope that you have in God. This hope is a hope towards what we have in heaven, a hope towards salvation, a hope towards reconciliation with God. But he's saying that you can live in such a way that you experience God and know God that you live with a present sense of hope in your life. And I just wonder how many of us woke up this morning and we're like, man, I have hope because I know God. Like a lot of times we can feel like our world, our you know, society, whatever, it's like hopeless. But how many of us like wake up and it's like, man, I have a deep-seated sense to which I know God so well that I just wake up. And throughout my day, I have this, this sense that this life isn't all there is to life. That what I'm experiencing right now isn't all there is to experiencing. And I have experience, and I have hope, not just for this world, but I have hope for the next. And so I have set my hope on God and what is to come. Continues. He said, I pray that your heart may be enlightened in order, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, in the riches of his glorious inheritance. In his holy people. Now, this is a really interesting sentence, and, and there's two different ways that kind of theologians will, will parse this one out, and both of them have additional verses that would substantiate the, the meaning of it. But some people will say that when he says that the, the glorious inheritance that he has, that he has, it's talking about the inheritance that God has, insofar as um, God's inheritance is his people. Another verse would say, our version would say, it's the inheritance that we have that we look forward to in God. The way that the actual grammar of it kind of parses out makes it and lends itself more towards like God sees us at his inheritance, which is just bonkers if you ever think about that. Like God, look, God looks at us and is like, my people. Here, here, here's why I think that is crazy. Because one, we are people, right? And he's God. Like, he is holy. He is incredible. I'm like, man, I sped 17 times yesterday. Like, like I should not be in your presence right now. But we just look at God, and he's like, man, like, these are my people. These are the ones whom I love. These are my inheritance. You know what that means? You know what that actually functionally means? Is that God loves you, and he's for you. And when I say that, there's a lot of us who say, yeah, I know. But the type of no that this is talking about, when he says, I'm praying that the revelation that you may know him better, I don't think this is a no as in like conceptually, intellectually, I come to an intellectual assent of which I agree. I mean, do you really feel like God loves you? I think a lot of us have a, have a position towards God, a posture towards God. That we know functionally God loves us, 
but we feel like God is perpetually disappointed in us because you messed up, because you sinned, because all of us have had days, nights, weekends, times where you knew this was the standard that God called me to live up to, and I didn't. And like, 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 do you know that you don't have to do anything else? Like, if you never do anything else, God is so happy with you, so loves you, not because of what you've done, but because of Jesus. Like, do you actually believe and feel like God is for you? Or do you feel like, yeah, but I got some problems, I got some things to work through, I got some issues? And I think that's what he's saying. He's like, man, I, I want you to, I don't want you to just believe. Yeah, I have hope for a next life, but I want you to wake up and feel like, yeah, I actually have hope. I don't want you to just feel like, yeah, I know God loves me. I'm going to check the intellectual box. I'm going to check the theological and doctrine box that says, yes, I know God loves me. But like, man, do you feel actually loved in this room right now by God himself? Like, do you know him that well? It says the last part of it. He says that you may know the hope to which he has called you and the riches of his inglorious inheritance of his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. He said, I want you to know hope. I want you to know love, and I want you to know power, the power that you have, the power that you have access to, the power that resides inside of you in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. There's a long time when I used to think about this power that it was like this big cosmic version of um, Harry Potter and like Expelliarmus, you know? And if you are not like a Harry Potter fan, I'm so sad you grew up in a Baptist church where they didn't allow you to like actually say that word out loud. Dylan's saying, yep, that was my upbringing, right? So, so for everybody else, right, who's, you know, secular and you're sinners, um, right, it's this thing, and right, they would have this, this you, you, you know the deal, right? But so like we kind of view the Holy Spirit as like, okay, man, if I'm going to have the Holy Spirit's power, I'm going to be like, zing, like you can see zing that business transaction worked out zing they came to know jesus right and, and it functionally just isn't like that in fact philippians i think does a beautiful job of actually explaining this it says for it is god it is him who works in you both to will and to work to do the things according to his good pleasure in other words it's god's spirit inside of us it's the power of god functioning and working inside of us not simply to do the things but simply to want to do the things that god would want us to do in other words, if you feel like God's not moving in your life because you're not doing in your life, simply the fact that you want to and feel the conviction about it is the presence of the Spirit moving and working in your life. And man, we get hung up on the fact that we don't even like execute it well. It's like, well, we never executed it well. I think categorically one of the big things that we miss with that is there's just a sense of power that the Spirit gives us to desire to do that, right? So like this morning, woke up, made eggs and bacon and put it all in omelet and all this kind of stuff, and Lindsay got up, right? Now I just want you to imagine, like, right, I've taught this before. If my kids decided to do that and they, you know, made the eggs and they were all, you know, shells all in the whole thing and the bacon was half cooked because they're, you know, seven and five, right? And they would be thankful that they didn't burn down the house. But if they brought it to Lindsay... They said, here, Mom, like, can you imagine Lindsay just looking at that and saying, are you kidding me? And just, like, slapping it out of their hand, right? We think that's ridiculous. Why? They weren't capable of perfection, but they were capable of the desire to will and to work towards that. 
So if we would laugh that my wife would slap the breakfast out of my kids' hands, why would we condemn ourselves when we don't perfectly execute the plan of God according to the word of God? But it's his power that gives us the, the, the desire to push and to press into that. It's the power that says, okay, God, I'm going to keep going. It's the power that says, God, I know I've messed up, but I know I'm still fighting this battle that I've been fighting for 10 years. I'm still fighting this addiction that I've been fighting for 10 years. I'm still fighting through this relationship that I've been fighting for 10 years. I'm still fighting through this marriage that I've been fighting with for 10 years, for 15 years, for 25 years, for 75 years. I don't know. Like, I'm still fighting. But, God, it is your spirit powerfully working inside of me to continue to will to do that. That's powerful. The longevity of the desire to do the will of God is massive. So just, man, I, just, I want you to know, not just agree with it, I want you to know it. He goes on. He said, that power, by the way, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. In every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who wills who fills everything in every way, or who fills all and is in all. In other words, he's saying, okay, and so the same power that I'm praying for you to know, the same power that I want you to experience, the same gift that I want you to get, and that I want you to have, and I want you to feel, and I want you to know, and I want it to not just be this cerebral experience, but this actual thing that you know personally. I want you to know that. Yesterday I was at the pool, and um, I should know everybody's like, that's where I thought we were going with this sermon. But yesterday I was at the pool, and there's been a dude that I've seen there a number of times. And I, you know how it is sometimes you know that you know somebody? And this was somebody that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I had known from a long time ago. But, like, I can't place my finger on who this person is. And about a couple weeks ago I realized, oh, that's who that person is. And I never really had the opportunity to... Um, we just never weren't, we were never like close. And I'd be like, yo, I, you remember me? And kind of one of those like awkward things, even though we've seen each other 75 times over the last year. And so I look at him the other day and I realized, I'm like, okay, I need to make sure I introduce myself to this person. We'll pause on that. We're in the pool yesterday uh, having a conversation about two people. Um, one person who, you know, was lifting some stuff, got hurt, had to go to the hospital. And I don't really know, honestly, the context of this conversation is a little bit irrelevant, except for to say I came out of the pool and I yelled this guy's name who had gone to the hospital. Not the one who I saw and knew, but a totally different guy. Yelled his name out loud. Again, sometimes I just do random stuff at random times for random reasons. Okay, So I just yelled this guy's name out loud, and all of a sudden the guy that I also knew was walking by who happened to be by the same name, and he turns and he sees me in like... He knew who I was, and I realized that I had, was not talking about Buddy, but Buddy now thinks that I'm talking about Buddy, right? And he looks at me, you know that look in the eye, he's like, and I'm like, whatever pastor does, yo, right? 
my man. Which, by the way, I do whether I know you or not. So that way everybody gets the same treatment, right? No, no preferential. Anyways, so like I'm like, yo, my man. So I start talking to him, start having a conversation. I'm like, bro, how you been? Like he played for, um, he, he used to play football when I was a senior. He was a sophomore. Our center got hurt. He stepped into the center role. Did a phenomenal job. Awesome dude. Like, like super nice, super nice, kind, all that kind of stuff. And I started thinking about this in light of this sermon. I started thinking, man, I think, I think what we do as Christians is, is while I'm talking to this dude that I haven't talked to in a long time, that we have a level of familiarity with, I'm also right next to my family. And I started thinking, I think that a lot of us know God like this old friend from high school that we see coming by, and we love to say hey to him when he's going by, but we don't really love to know him and to spend time with him. Because I love spending time with my family. I mean, I genuinely do. There's some sweet kids, and Lindsay's the most incredible mom. But like, I love spending time with them. And the thing about it is, is I was thinking, man, I feel like we stop at high school friends and God saying, no, I am your intimate, heavenly father who knows you. And I think it manifests itself in a bunch of different ways. But I think part of it is that we don't really feel that much a sense of hope. I think part of it is that we don't oftentimes feel a sense that we are actually loved. And part of it is we don't live with much power in our lives. Like as in we don't feel like even if we tell somebody about Jesus, then it has the power to do anything, to change anything. Because I think if we did, we would be so hyped to give that gift. Um, so how the story actually went yesterday. We were in Narcissus. Which I used to think was a lot more scandalous than it is, to be fair. I'm just saying that because I'm like, somebody's like, see, Ben, pastor, being a weirdo. Like, no, 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 it's just a store. Okay? So I was in this place. We picked out the stuff, right? I'm getting, you know, earrings, and, and ah, maybe we shouldn't want those earrings. Maybe we should want those earrings and get the right thing. And so then we start looking for a necklace, right? And so I've got Ava, who's seven, Rhodes, who's five, and they're just, they're, they're being sweet kids, but they're five and seven in an adult store. So it's not like everything's tame right now. And we're the only family that's in there. There's, there's a number of other grown adults, uh, which I think I was probably the only dude in the whole store. And so we're searching for stuff. We finally get to, like, I'm like, oh, guys, what about this necklace? I think this goes well with it, right? So Ava gets it, and Ava's kind of like, she's seven, but I weirdly depend on her for, like, style choices, <laughs> to be honest. I'm like, this, I, I didn't realize that I was going to be this dependent on you. And so I get it, and I'm like, Ava, what do you think about it? She goes, I love that, right? All right, no lie, middle of the store. Rhodes, he's the most competitive. He loves everything sports. He literally, in the middle of the store, goes, Yes! We did it. <laughs> he starts fist pumping. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, like, people are, like, looking at this little dude just laughing as he's just, like, screaming, yes, we did it. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know who we were competing against, but somebody just went down. That's all I know. It's like somebody, like, Satan, you got defeated at this store right here because my little dude is hyped, right? But it's funny because here's the thing. He knows his mom. He loves his mom. He wants to give this for his mom, and he's so excited about this. And I just thought, man, like, like what if that captured our, our level of enthusiasm and excitement that we get God and we get to give God. 
Like we get power. We get love. We get all of those things. We get hope. We get all of those things. And not only that, but we have access to the one who is seated on the throne and that raised Jesus from the dead who is now seated on. Like, like we get to spend time with that. If we were to compare that to any other person who would be like the ideal I know some of you maybe know about this. There's this dude like Harry Styles. Yeah, I'm about to get convicting. Okay. <laughs> like he let out this like album thing and he's got this one thing show, right? And like, and people are going like crazy, like and doing all kinds of stuff and finding New York. I think that's awesome. That's great. I think it's, uh, that, this is not me being critical. I'm just saying like, like, like what if it was like, man, I get to go and just be in the same arena as God. Versus like, man, I actually get to go and spend time with God. I want us to know him like that. And I think for some of us, to bring this back, we've been saved for a while. We know God to the point where he has displayed in our life. But we just kind of become complacent with how much and how well we know him. As opposed to saying, just God, I just want to know you more. I want to spend time with you more. I want to be intimate with you more. I want to feel that hope. I want to feel that love. I want to feel that intimacy and that power. So here's the step. Here's what I have for us for an application for, okay, what do you do with all this? I truly think it starts with prayer. That's what Paul did. So I continually pray for you. Every time I think of you, I pray for you. I continually do that, that you would know this. So last week we did kind of a prayer thing where it's what if we spent five minutes. This is this, we're going to step up this week. Ten minutes every day where we just simply pause in the presence of God and say, God, I just want to spend time in your presence and know you better. Like, not with a list of agenda items and the things to do. We just, we just spent time, and you might think, well, what are we going to pray for? I'm like, I don't know. Just spend time with God, listening to God, meditating God, thinking about his word. And I don't know what it is for you. But just 10 minutes just in prayer saying, God, I just want to know you better. And what I believe happens when we do that is that God sees that and knows that, and he connects with us as his spirit comes alive. We just take time to set apart and spend time with him. That we would come back here next week. We'd still have probably a lot of things that still need you know, fixing and correcting in our lives. We still probably have a lot of things that we were still working on, all this kind of stuff. But perhaps our hearts would shift a little bit, and as our hearts shift, perhaps our lives would shift too. So here's the challenge and the question. If you're a Jesus follower, would you spend 10 minutes every single day for the next week just in the presence of God saying, God, I just want to know you? And let me say this too. If you're here and you're kind of on the fence of Christianity, not really sure where you are, what you believe, what you think, this is such a great invitation for you that perhaps the first step for you is the exact same prayer to say, God, I don't even know if you're there. But if you are, I want to know you. I want to know if you're there. So would you spend 10 minutes every day for the next week spending time silent in prayer and just saying, God, if you're there, I want to know. I think, I think this simple idea can change the trajectory of our lives and our church Because at the irreducible minimum of our faith, it's simply us knowing him better. And as we know him better, we embody him more fully. Let's pray.
God, I thank you so much that you give us the opportunity to spend time with you. I thank you so much that you gave your life for us, a group of sinners, that because of the things that we've all done wrong, in and of our own vices, we have been pushed away, pushed, pushed away and alienated from you, but you have made a way for us to know you. Not to be better people, not to be good, but to be forgiven. And that through Jesus, you lived the life we couldn't live, paid the price we couldn't pay so that we could know you. And God, I pray for every single one of us who's in here and the truth and the convicting part of today is that we know you and you've influenced our lives for the way that we live and love and serve other people. But we become complacent with knowing you as an old friend. Not as the center of our entire world and being. Not as an intimate father. And so God, I pray that we would know you that way. God, would you give us the wisdom and the conviction to not go to sleep at night before we spend 10 minutes, to wake up every morning to spend 10 minutes just saying we want to know you. And as we know you, Jesus, we pray that we would know hope, we pray that we would know love, and we pray that we would experience power. And that you would make us more like you, Jesus. God, would you give us the wisdom to pause for 10 minutes to know you? And would you give us the courage to actually do it? And it's in your name we pray. Amen.